Good evening. So glad that you are here with us tonight. Glad that we are able to come together and to worship. Glad to hear that 109 started off with a great start tonight and uh, that they have such a good number there. See, that's what's supposed to happen. We want a good number here. We want a great number there. We want a great number both places. We want to be looking into both congregations planting somewhere else in a few years. Why? Because we want God to continue to add the increase. And we are thankful today to be able to see that that, that happened here. Even though we have just sung that this world is not our home, uh, this, this morning we had a, uh, I think, did that happen? There it is. Uh, we This morning we had a, a baptism. It's awesome. Uh, uh, his initials are JP, but his family calls him Jeep. Jeep Dewar this morning was baptized for mission of his sins during second service, and it was awesome. This is a before and after, and uh, I'm thankful for his decision today to, to uh, put Christ on in baptism and to make Jesus his Lord. It was an awesome day, and we have been blessed here to see the Lord add to his church, which is his plan. If you will, let's go to God in prayer as we begin tonight. Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful for you. We're thankful for this church family. We're thankful for your kingdom across this world. And, and Lord, we are thankful for your kingdom that is to come. Lord, we ask you to bless Jeep and his decision to become a Christian. We're thankful for his decision today. And his decision is something that is an example to the rest of us, to each person, to make that commitment to follow you, to be baptized for remission of our sins for you to add us to your church. Lord, please be with him, be with his family. We're thankful again for their decision to be here and his decision today. Lord, we're thankful for the 109 church and their beginning tonight. Pray that you will bless them, that many more will come to Christ because of the work that's done there. Lord, help us tonight to focus on you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. We just sung the song, uh, uh, This World is Not My Home. How often do you say that? If you're like me, probably any time you catch the news. I don't personally like watching the news. I don't watch the news a lot. You, a lot of times people tell me if something bad enough happens, and, and I try not to do that, but I am online, so I see things that, that come by, and I will tell you, it doesn't take long for me to be reminded this world is not my home. I don't know if we have lived in a uh, society that's as divided politically as we are right now. Probably for the past 10 years or so, we have lived in a greatly divided, it's been divided even more so, but even violently divided, and I'm reminded whenever I see this division that this world is not my home. When I think of the violence that goes on through the world and the riots that take place, I'm reminded this world is not my home. When I realize that there are children who are being abused and children do not, that do not have the food they need, I am reminded and thankful that this world is not my home. When I see the children that are forced into being soldiers at a young age, I am thankful that this world is not my home. When we look around and we are blessed to have uh, several ladies here who, who are expecting, and, and that is something that is exciting, but realize we are living a, a country and in a world where those babies' lives are in jeopardy because of the legalization of abortion. I look at that and I think about I am thankful that this world is not my home. When I think about even the children that are born, many of them are not safe because of human trafficking and other things like that and the violence that is there. I'm thankful again and reminded this world is not my home. And I think about even though we're able to come here tonight and to worship together, to come here and, and there's nobody telling us we can't. We have another congregation that's meeting in a public school tonight, and that's okay. 
But we have brethren across the world that today, for them to meet, they had to meet in secret, or they had to meet knowing that if they were found out, they could have been imprisoned or killed. I'm reminded and very thankful to know that this world is not my home. And, and we can go through and talk about the amount of divorces that are taking place, how, how, how difficult it is in marriage and in marriages that are falling apart. We can talk about these things and realize I'm thankful that the world is not my home. But here's the catch. I know that I'm a citizen of heaven, and those that have been baptized in Christ, our citizenship is there. I think we need to remember that as Paul reminds us in, in Philippians 3, verse 20. But the catch is, even though this world is not our home, we've still got to live here. See, it's one thing to think about how great things are going to be over there, and I think things will be great over there, but we must live here. Here's what Jesus said about it. It's amazing. When Jesus prayed about you and prayed about me and prayed about his disciples in John chapter 17, what we call his high priestly prayer, uh, when he prays, he, he says this about his followers. He says, when it comes to the world, he doesn't say, you want to take a bunch of Christians and I want them to live in a community away from everybody else and withdraw themselves. I, that's, what I, that's not what he says. He says, I do not ask you to take them out of the world but keep them from the evil one. Jesus didn't pray for our seclusion and our isolation. He didn't pray that we would be separated from the rest of the world, and, and, and he didn't pray that. He didn't pray that we would come up with a commune and build a, a wall around it and, and keep any bad influence out, which if there's humans in, there's going to be bad influence in. That's a part of the problem. That was not his prayer. His prayer that he that we would be kept from the evil one, but his prayer was not that we would be kept from the world. Look what he continues to say, verse 16. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you send me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, so that they also may be sanctified in truth. He says, I'm sending them into the world. See, the world may not be, this world may not be our home, but we do live here. And not only do we live here, we are called to make a difference here. And we can make a difference. You can make a difference for Christ every day, and I believe that you do. It's amazing moving into a new community and going to a restaurant, and somebody asks, where, where do you work or where do you worship? And, and they'll tell them, and people brag about this congregation. That's a really neat feeling. So you are making a difference here. But Jesus told his people in the Sermon on the Mount that we are to be salt and to be light. And where there is no contact, there is no impact. We have to realize we have to make contact with people. And so how in the world do we make a difference in this world knowing that this world is not our home? So we're told to go and go and do what? Teach people and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and to do whatever he has commanded them according to the Great Commission. We are to do that. We're to make an impact in this world. That is why Jesus came and lived here for some 33 or so years to make an impact, and he left us to make an impact throughout this time. So again, how do we do that? I don't know about you. I'm not happy the world the way it is, are you? I'm not, I'm not satisfied with the world the way it is. I, I don't think you are either. And the thing is, we can sit here and curse the dark or we can shine a light. We get to make that decision. 
And I think it's important for us to be people who shine lights, not just small lights, but flashlights and spotlights in this world to let people know that Jesus is alive and well and that Jesus loves them and that Jesus wants them, and, and, and we must do that. The way we make a difference, that big word is called faith. See, our faith, whether you believe it or not, can make a difference in this world and in the next because our faith can have an impact on the people that we are around, and God has designed it that our faith would have that impact. See, we're told in Hebrews eleven six, and without faith it is impossible to please Him. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, that he rewards those who earnestly or who diligently seek him. It is faith that God wants from us, and the faith that we have makes a difference in the people around us. What kind of faith? If you will, open your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1. I'll have the verses up here, but I love to hear pages turn. I love when you open your Bibles. I love when you make notes in your Bible to go back, and we're going to look because I believe Peter lays out the kind of faith that we are to have that can help us to make a difference in a world that is not our home. Let's begin in verse 1. What we're going to see is the faith that we're to have that makes a difference is a faith that's based on knowledge. A faith that's based on knowledge. He says, Simon Peter, servant of the apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who attained a full of e full of equal standing with ours, by the righteousness that our God and Savior in Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. The Apostle Peter is wordy. What did he just say? To those who have attained equal faith, to those who are Christians. But he wants them to know that your faith and your Christianity is the same as the Apostles. He's putting everybody on an equal plane. Have you been baptized into Christ? We have the same faith in the same Savior, and we have equal standing. That's a really powerful statement for him to say. There are no different classes of Christianity. He's not saying that we're up here and you're down here. But may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. See, our faith must be based on knowledge. It's a knowledge of who God is. It is knowing God and, and knowing His love and knowing His greatness and knowing His power. And we see that in our, our faith. And he said, because of that, listen, he said, knowledge, some people say knowledge is power, that knowledge of God is power. And what he says in this verse is that when we realize in our knowing God and our knowing who God is, through that our grace and peace will be not just added, it will be multiplied. A faith that is based on knowledge. See, we, we are incredibly blessed to have God's Word, to have His Word written form. In many cases, leather-bound, but now people, we, we have it in a device, in our phone. If you have a smartphone, you are never away from a Bible. It is there with you. And as we read God's Word, we, we know more about God. Sometimes I think we get confused, and, and sometimes we like to think the Bible's a book about us. Can I tell you, the Bible's a book about God. It is who He is, and when we see who He is, we're able to see who we are. 
We have His Word, and, and, and as we learn about Him, our faith can continue to grow. And what's awesome, He's revealed Himself to us, according to Psalm 19, not just in His Word, but through creation. What's the most beautiful thing or place that you've ever seen? I've never been to the Grand Canyon. I have flown over, and the pilot tipped the wing just a little bit so we could see down. It's pretty awesome. I've been able to go to New Zealand, some of the most beautiful places I could ever imagine, standing on a, a, a black sand beach and looking at a snow-capped mountain. Pretty awesome. See, when we look out, we can see that there is evidence that there is a God. and We can see His power and we see His attention to detail. We can see His creativity. And as we get to know Him, our faith can grow more and more. He says here, Verse 3 says, His divine power has given us all things that pertain to God, life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which we have, He has been granted us His great and very uh, precious promises. Sorry, I always, I'm quoting one thing and reading another, so y'all just have to bear with me sometime. So that through them, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in this world because of sinful desire. What does he say? His divine power has given us everything. Everything that pertains to life and godliness. As we know God, we realize God has not withheld anything from us that we need to know him. He says, give us all things pertaining to life and godliness. God hasn't held back. I think generationally, our, uh, when we think about the power of God and how awesome He is, um, as a kid, one of the most incredible things was, was to be able to see a space shuttle or, or, or you look at one of the rockets going to space. We don't even talk about that a lot anymore. It, it was a big deal. Like when the space shuttle would take off, uh, our, at our school, we would turn the TV on, and it would, like, shut the day down, and we got to watch this happen. And, and we would watch this, and, and how amazing it was to us that, that there was a, an ability through NASA to be able to send people into space. I do find it interesting. One, one thing that's, that's funny is John Glenn and Alan Shepard, who are uh, great pilots, they are uh, great astronauts, they were asked, as they were sitting, you know, in the rocket about to take off, as they came back to earth, they said, what thought went through your mind? Of all the thoughts in the world, what thought was it that went through your mind before you took off? John Glenn said this, I felt exactly how you would feel if you were getting ready to launch and know you were sitting on top of two million parts all built by the lowest bidder of a government contract. Alan Shepard at a separate time was asked the same thing, and that's, he's pretty much said that, to realize that you're about to have to leave the atmosphere and come back uh, in something that was built by the lowest bidder. God is not a low bidder. He didn't give us just enough to make it. He gave us beyond. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God has given us this. I don't know about you, but there are some people who are... Uh, well, they're just hateful. They'll, you'll be working on a puzzle and they'll steal a piece. You got somebody in your family that does that? 
Some of y'all do. Some of y'all are staring at each other. Here's one of my rules about preaching. You'll learn this as I go. If I ever say something about somebody and you know who they are, it's not polite to point, okay? You can stare them down if you want, but it's not polite to point. But see, when I put a puzzle together, there's a reason why uh, you don't buy puzzles at yard sales. It's a life of frustration. Many times there's going to be one of those pieces that are missing. Listen, can I tell you, God did not do anything with the lowest bid or leave any parts out. Our faith in Him can be strong, can be a faith that is based on knowledge, and you can know that He's given us all things that we need in order to succeed and to make it. Through the knowledge of Him who called us to know that this faith is what? Something that we, as we know Him, we get to know His great promises. I could preach the rest of the year on the promises of God. To know that His promise, that He has prepared a place for us, John chapter 14. That He's prepared a place for us, He's coming back to, give, to get us. His promise that He will never leave us or forsake us. See, as we know God's Word and we learn His promises, guess what? Our faith increases. It's something that is life changing. Knowing God is a big deal. If we want to have a, a faith that changes this world that we are living in, it changes us, it changes the world, changes the people we come in contact with, then our faith must be built on, on knowledge. A faith must know. Secondly, we have to have a faith that grows. So we can't just say that our faith is right here and our faith will just stay here. Uh, today, again, we had a young man it chose to be baptized for mission of his sins. That is a great decision. And that took great faith to make that decision. But our faith cannot stop there. Our faith must grow. And, and that's the thing. I know in, a, in about 10 weeks, we, that realization came this past week. In about 10 weeks, we, uh, if our baby holds out uh, to the last minute, uh, we will have a baby. It, 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 we have one now, but he will be a lot more trouble then, Okay. All right, you have to carry around on the outside and then I have to do some work. I mean, it's going to be a lot different then, all right? But I think one thing that's really neat that you see parents do now is they will find a stuffed animal or something of some kind and take the picture by the baby and you see the baby grow. Um, one of our little children at Spring Hill, her name was Eliana, and Eliana is a precious little child. I, I was there right after she was born, and, and she is. This is a picture of Miss Eliana Nichols. And her mom went through and, and took pictures. This is her at one month and at two months and at three months and at four months and at five months. Do you realize that bear keeps shrinking? <laughs> and this is her now. I sit there and I think about that. What? She has grown and grown as she's supposed to. She, she has gotten physically bigger. Her, her abilities have increased. Her ability to talk and say words. You see those things uh, develop, and that is something that, that we expect. Guess what? We as Christians, our faith should grow also. I do believe it takes a great deal of faith to choose to become a Christian because you are choosing to put God above all and name Jesus as your Lord and King. That is a great faith, believing that what he has said about this life and the afterlife is true. You are putting great faith in him, but our faith cannot stop there. Our faith must be something that grows. This is a picture of my, my brother and I with my mom. This is another picture of my, my brother and I and my mom. My mom shrunk. 
okay? Why? Because over time, we got bigger, and hopefully we matured. Look what the Apostle Peter says. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement, that means add to your faith, with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control. And self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, okay, do you see what he's saying? These are to add. Not only are you to add these qualities, but these qualities are to grow. What should grow? Our knowledge should grow. Our self-control, we should, the longer we're Christians, we should become more patient, not less patient. There's some older people in here that really just struggle with me saying that. You know, it, it, because why? Sometimes I, I think as we get older, we get less patient. We get a little bit more frustrated. We, we sit there and look what our, our, our kindness, we should, as, as we get older and have been Christians longer, we should be more loving and more kind and more godly and more patient and more self-controlled, and, and we should be more righteous than we have ever been as we mature. He said, if these qualities are in you and are increasing, our faith should not only be based on knowledge, it should be a faith that is growing. Increasing. See, I, I think it's important that, that we do things. I think you being here tonight is a way to grow your faith. Faith cometh by what? Hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. As we spend time in God's Word, our faith grows. As we spend time with God's people serving, guess what? Our faith grows. As we spend time trying to teach others, one of the, the greatest thing you can do is try to teach someone else. Why? Because you study yourself. You're spending time in God's Word to share that with someone else. Your faith grows. What we want to do is have a faith that's not only built on knowledge, but a faith that grows. And, and finally, we want a faith that actually shows. A faith that makes a difference is a faith that other people see. Now listen, you're not showing out so that other people see you. You're living out your faith. There's a difference between showing out and living out. If you're doing a put on a show, God says, hey, uh, you've already got your reward. But if you're living out your faith, people will see it. Some of you have no idea the difference you make where you work and where you go to school and where you shop and, and your faith that makes a difference around you. And our faith uh, should be a faith that shows. He says this, uh, Peter says, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where we started, right? Knowledge. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted he is blind having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Hmm. See, so our faith should be progressing. He, he says this, our, our, our faith should do what? It should be something that, that does show, because if not, we will be ineffective and, and unfruitful. See, our faith in God, our imitating Christ, should affect how we think. It should affect our attitudes. It, could, it should affect our actions. If our faith doesn't affect these things, I would argue that we might not have much of it. <laughs> a faith in God is a faith that changes how we live and it changes how we think and it changes how we, we talk and we, 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 we communicate with other people. And we are built to bear fruit. 
The, the great video that was shown this morning, we got to see an example of bearing fruit. We, we showed it, what, this church at one time was planted, and we saw these really cool drawings of trees and of roots and of seeds going in the ground. We as Christians are called to bear fruit. That is what we're called to do, and, and we should be that way. We should be people that because of our faith, we have an impact on those around us. Now, part of bearing fruit, I believe, is we should see the fruit of Spirit in our life, and other people should see that, see that too. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, understanding, goodness, all those things, you know, self-control, those things are things we should see. Also, bearing fruit is the impact we have on other people, drawing them closer to Christ. I think that's a big deal. A, a faith that is mature is a faith that can bring others to Christ. And a faith that's pointed at bringing others to Christ and that impacts other people. He said, if your faith is not growing here in the knowledge of God, he said, it will be barren and unfruitful. In other words, it will be useless and idle. See, if you had fruit trees in your backyard, if they looked like this, you'd keep them a long time. You'd probably have to have people come over, and you probably wouldn't even be able to eat everything that came off of it. You would find a farmer's market to go sell it, or you'd become everybody's favorite neighbor. What, come, come over here and get fruit because you would like some. Come get this. But if you looked out at a tree that looked like this every day, what would you do? It would be, be really good firewood. See, when you look out, barren and unfruitful is something that you get rid of. In other words, it is not fulfilling its purpose. If the purpose of us is to bear fruit for Jesus, then we want to do that. We don't ever want to be considered barren or unfruitful. And, and the thing is, like, wherever you work or wherever you go to school, I hope people are not shocked if they find out you're a Christian. Usually people are shocked when your attitudes and actions don't match your profession. You profess to be a Christian when your attitudes and actions don't meet that. And I'm not saying you carry around. I, I don't know about you, my, my grandmother had a Bible on her coffee table that was as big as the coffee table. Y'all have seen those, right? They, they, they're about a foot wide and probably about 18 inches tall, probably 16 inches tall, and they're about five inches thick. You don't have to carry that to work with you every day to show that you know and love Christ. But if people you work with or people that you go to school with are shocked when they find out that you uh, are a Christian, that, that I'm, I'm going to say, let's, let's work on our faith. Let's start over. We have a forgiving God. That's a great thing. We can start right over and, and do that. And one of the greatest things you can do is apologize and say, hey, I'm sorry for the way I've talked around you. I'm sorry for the, what I've done. I'm sorry that I'm not a, a good worker. I'm, I'm sorry that in school that you've heard me gossip, that you've heard me say things I shouldn't. Start over and say, but, but I, I, I do love God and I do want to follow him the best of my ability and, and, and start over. It's a great thing to do because we get that opportunity to do that. Again, that growth should be seen by our thoughts and by our attitudes and by our actions. He said what happens is people whose faith do not grow, there's two things. One, he says they're nearsighted. In other words, I don't think they see eternity anymore. <laughs> they don't see past themselves anymore. He's saying nearsighted people don't see God very clearly because God is here, but God is also there. We want to look. And also he said they have also forgotten how forgiven they are. He said they have, they're forgetful of the sins that have been forgiven them. So we want to be reminded of those. Why? Because when we remember the great price that has been paid for us and the sins we've had forgiven, 
that usually causes us to be more thankful, more worshipful, more servant-hearted, and more forgiving of others. Live like we mean it. See, I, I, I think it's important. We want to make a difference. And he says, therefore, brothers, make your calling and election sure. Be diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these things, you will never fall. What's he saying? Be serious about your faith. Be serious about your faith and, 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 and uh, make that a priority to grow in that faith. Making your calling and election sure is what I grew up hearing. That's probably what you grew up hearing too. And know that it is sure if it's in Christ and if it's sincere and in, in following Him. And, and He goes, make every effort. The thing is, um, I, I believe in grace. I think grace is the, uh, a gift. When I think of God, His salvation uh, that He allows us to be able to have is a gift of grace. Now, sometimes when you hear a preacher say, make every effort, you're going, that preacher doesn't believe in grace. Can, can I tell you, our God is not opposed to effort, but he is opposed to earning. You can't earn your salvation. But you can have effort in serving him. You can have diligence in following him. And, and I love this thing. Hey, You'll not stumble. Does that mean you'll never sin? No, it means you will continue pressing on to your goal. When you fail, when you sin, you'll get back up and, and you'll keep moving toward him. J. Vernon McGee is a, a writer and, and uh, his quote is this. He goes, I believe in the eternal security of the believer and in the insecurity of the make-believer. When I saw that, that sort of hit me a little hard. I think one thing... Uh, I hope that God's people, we don't become people who doubt our security. I think one of the ways that grace and peace is multiplied to you and believing in the promises of God should lead us to believe in our salvation and what God has promised. But also faith is something that's sincere, it's something that takes effort, it's something that keeps us moving toward God. And I love at the end, he, what is the product of a life of faith? Uh, if your faith is a faith that knows, a faith that, that grows, and a faith that shows, he says, for in this way you will be richly provided for, for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There's our word. You get to enter the kingdom. What an awesome thought. Our king is, is Jesus and faith leads us into that kingdom. Through God's grace and through his love for us, he, he allows us to have faith. As we have faith, we walk more closely toward him. And that eternal kingdom, it's a kingdom that never, ever ends. It's a kingdom that involves here and involves heaven, and we are able to step into that as we have that faith. Yes, when I think about this world, this world is not our home, but we have to live here. And what's incredible is we can make a difference. And that difference is we make is through Christ working through us as we walk through this life in a life of faith in him. Tonight, can we help you in this step? Can we help you to walk close to, to Christ? Can we help you to, to walk with him to, to decide that you want a faith that, that, that knows and a faith that, that will grow and a faith that will show and make a difference in, in your life and the lives around you? 
This morning we had a great example of someone that said they want to become a Christian. We saw that tonight would be a great example to see that happen again and again and again. Or tonight may say, hey, Craig, my, my faith, I, I know some things, but I haven't been growing in it, and, and I really haven't been showing it. It hasn't made a difference, and I want to draw that line and start tonight. Tonight, if we can help you with that, we would love to. We'd love to surround you and pray with you and pray for you. Tonight, if we can help you to walk closer in a life of faith with God, would you come now while we stand and while we stand?